0: If you want to reach the greatest amount of people with a message, you put it on the radio. Everyone knows that. Television comes next, followed by the Internet and print publishing. If you want to reach the greatest number of lawmakers and politicians, you just can't be the joint session of Congress in Washington, D.C. Something tells me that some world leaders understand that fact and take full advantage of it. Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, is here to share his insights into what can be and can't be accomplished by doing so. Lincoln, what do we need to know?
1: Well, yeah, this addressing a joint session of Congress, uh, a latest seen as a a great plum for uh, a foreign dignitary. And there was huge discussion in the U.S. following Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu Mm -hmm. addressing the joint houses and did something that I've rarely, in fact, I can't remember seeing before in all the time I've lived in the U.S. He directly challenged the President of the United States. both in protocol by not involving the White House. You know, they didn't invite him. It was a direct personal invitation of the Speaker of the House. Mm-hmm. did not meet with the President, and, uh, of course, after his speech, the President would not want to meet with him. <laughs>
0: Lincoln, let me ask you a question. Are the Republicans just trying to alienate themselves from the world? I mean, do you think the American people are not recognizing what they're doing politically here, undermining their president like this?
1: Well, I'd like to think that most people see it for what it is. Of course, those that sympathize with the Speaker are happy to challenge the president. Mm -hmm. What's more troubling to me is that the support that's behind this invitation has almost a religious agenda, because a lot of the right-wing Republican uh, religious conservatives are too anxious by halves to go to war with Iran. They would rather have apocalypse now (laughs) to advance the cause of religion and Israel, you know, re-establishing of a religious authority in the Middle East. I think that's part of the unseen agenda. I don't think it's just to be loyal to an ally, because... Uh, no matter their differences with the president and the negotiators, there's no question the Un- United States is not about to betray Israel. Mm-hmm. There's a long-standing mm-hmm. friendship, so it, it's not really that they were saving the relationship. They're directing it in a very aggressive, military, religiously inclined military direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, think for a minute on on a joint address to Congress. All the time I watch C-SPAN. And uh, when some politician gets up and addresses Congress, it's impressive. And you figure, well, they're talking to their fellow legislators. But if you wait long enough on C-SPAN until the camera zooms back, there's never more than two or three people there. (laughs) So it's mostly for the record. But when you have a joint session, and normally the only time we see that is the uh, president's State of the Union. And that's gotten a bit unruly. Someone yelled out once, you lie. Another time, the justices of the Supreme Court and the chief justice were insulted enough to even threaten to walk out because they didn't like that the president challenged them. So, you know, there's already signs of dissension in this joint address, but it's got a great history. And Netanyahu coming, I think, was not ideal for the country and for our process, but it's got great precedent. There have been many, many people that have addressed the joint uh, session, but they get a bully pulpit way beyond Mm -hmm. what a normal legislator can gain in the functions of Congress. But it goes way back. Most people may not know this. You know, the Marquis de Lafayette, the uh, friend of George Washington in the Revolutionary War, Mm -hmm. he was the first one to address the House of Representatives. There's been others like Lech Wałęsa, the leader of Solidarity, Nelson Mandela, that wasn't that long ago. That was in 1990. Nelson Mandela addressed Congress. The uh, Dalai Lama was supposed to have, but there were some uh, objections to this religious leader who's not in himself divisive for the U.S. Uh, constituency, but China about had fits at the <laughs> thought of it, and to avoid offending him, the Dalai Lama uh, didn't address them per se, but he opened Congress with a prayer. <laughs> which I think is even worse, (laughs) Uh, although his prayer was quite nice. You know, I've got it in front of me. I can read it because I think it's almost like these civic prayers that we're asked to. He says, with our thoughts, we make our world. Our mind is central and precedes our deeds. Speak or act with a pure mind and happiness will follow you like a shadow that never leaves. May there be joy in the world with bountiful harvest and spiritual wealth. May every good fortune come to be and may all your wishes be fulfilled as long as space remains and as long as sentient beings remain. Until then, may I too remain and help dispel the misery of the world. But, uh, you know, he was contentious from the point of view we were offending uh, a country that we need to deal with. But most of the people that have have spoken have been uh, heads of state, not just interesting figures, and none of them other than the Dalai Lama have been religious leaders. Mm -hmm. But what I want to talk about here is an upcoming joint address that I think is is, uh, problematic, even though there's universal acclamation in advance for this. Pope Francis, the Bishop of Rome, is due to address Congress on September 24, 2015. He's an extraordinary figure, and, you know, like everyone else that reads the news, I'm impressed by the uh, sincerity and even the imagination of some of his statements. I'm still mulling over his personally stated pronouncement recently that, that we will see our pets in heaven. And, and uh, all I can figure is he's a pet owner. <laughs> I, <laughs> I worked with a woman in Australia, Seventh-day Adventist Christian. Oh, she held most vigorously that her pet would be in heaven. Mm-hmm. Christ would save that pet. You know, he he says some very charitable things about gays, for example, without accepting their behavior, and I thought that was good. He called for charity toward them. He happens to be the head of a great aspect of the Christian church. It's not the only church, as his church has often said, and I respect his rights and his responsibilities in that regard. But for him to stand up before a joint session of Congress will elevate his religious sensibilities, and his leadership to another level. And the Mm -hmm. danger that I see is not so much even that religion is being brought into it, but he is the head of a lowercase, quote, state. (laughs) Yes, yes. Vatican City, which is, I can tell you, not as big as ranches in Australia or Texas. (laughs) Vatican City is, I think it's 300 acres. Vatican City, because of the generosity of a dictator, Benito Mussolini, and, uh, and an agreement that he made with the then Pope of Rome, the Lateran Treaty, Vatican City and the Pope can claim to be a state and the head of state. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about religious liberty, one of the great protective mechanisms is a separation of church and state. That's right. So it stands to reason then that one of the greatest structural threats to that uh, dynamic of religious liberty is an amalgamation of church and state or even to go further, a church that masquerades as a state, Mm -hmm, and a mm -hmm. state that masquerades as a church. So uh, I'm very troubled at the dynamic, not necessarily even what the Pope may say, of America that has a separation of church and state. Of course, a tradition of many people addressing Congress Mm -hmm. uh, has that tradition, but there generally political leaders just once there was a, an attempt to bring in the dalai lama but that didn't uh, happen mm-hmm. so it's it's why suddenly we would have a major religious figure with a religious agenda there uh, under the cover of being a political leader and uh, we'll see what he says and my my uh, expectation even is that he's very likely to float what we know is one of his favorite topics of late, the family rest day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's not in itself a grossly wrong thing. Starting in in Europe, and it's been before the European Parliament for a while, was the suggestion that in our modern world that's facing uh, ecological and financial challenges, and then the individual worker is being uh, psychologically bombarded by all the pressures, that in this modern world it would be great a cost-saving measure as well as a a renewing uh, experience for people to designate one day of the week, as they call it, as a family rest day, where you would stop work, commercial activity would cease, you would save on energy costs and so on, and then people would be encouraged to spend time together. And, of course, the churches led by the Catholic Church have come on very strong that this would be the time you're encouraged to go to church. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Encouraging people to church is a great thing. When you're talking about specifics, though, I can't accept that people should be encouraged. I can accept they'd be encouraged, but I don't accept the validity of encouraging them to worship on Sunday. That's right. The Bible mm. says God's day is Saturday. Mm. And, you know, other people are free to encourage that. But to give a bully pulpit for a church leader before secular rulers, and he is himself then saying he's a secular ruler. They're very inclined, I think very likely to think that now they've gotten some encouragement to mandate a particular day which is doctrinally wrong. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I'm troubled in advance of this, not knowing what he's going to say, and I'm sure what he says will be said with some uh, sentiment, and, and we will find it comforting, but the dynamic is dangerous.
0: Well, I am sure that after that speech has taken place later in the year, you will come onto this program and help us understand what's going on. I see see what's happening here. The attacks on religious liberty are not always someone getting their head lopped off. The attacks on religious liberty can be as subtle as, let's have a nice family day. Let's get together and just, you know, join hands and tiptoe through the tulips. Sometimes the attack on religious liberty comes in a very beautiful, comely, and seemingly attractive package. Am I on the right track here?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, they're the, the most corrosive, I mean, attack might sound a strong word, but they're the most corrosive appeals away mm. from true liberty and, and true uh, worship of God. <laughs> Ellen White, pioneer of Adventism, wrote many things. And, and just this last week, I quoted a statement where she says that, that, that when... A Sunday Law appears, and, and she expects that because they've, they've existed in the past, so yes. it's not irrational. Uh, she says that many people will be so accustomed by uh, the society they're living in and so ac- accommodating toward it mm-hmm. that when that moment comes, they won't want to, the term she uses, subject themselves mm. to derision, insult, and uh, even imprisonment. And so that that's what's, what's going on here, and I, the Pope understands it, and he's allowed to Act this way. He's he's in a battle for hearts and minds. So he's he's persuading, and it's and it's irresponsible of a civil government to grant church leaders. I think this civil pulpit. All right. So we will see where this goes. Yes. But uh, yes. September twenty-four is going to be an interesting time. Another uh, great leader, but this time a religious leader is going to be taking a civil occasion. Hmm. We will report on that right
0: here on this program. www.LibertyMagazine.org is the website. Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine. Thank you so much for being with us today. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure. And until next time, listener, this is Charles Mills along with Lincoln Steed inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call Three Angels Broadcasting Network at 618-627-4651 or email us through our website at 3abn.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today.